You may be seated. At this time, I'd like to invite you again to open your scripture with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to be reading verses 18 through 25 for this morning's message. Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, starting at verse 18. You're now the reading of God's inerrant, holy, God-breathed word of... Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill What the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Shall we pray? Dear Lord and and Heavenly Father, uh, before you created this world, you saw the day that your son would leave the treasures of heaven and join us, Father, um, obedient uh, uh, to to a birth, life, and even death on a cross. But Father, we just thank you for the wonder of your providence that, uh, that you saw this plan of salvation. And we just pray that you'll be with Pastor Mark as he brings your word this morning. May it uh, instill wonder in our hearts that um, evermore, that this story of uh, the proclamation of your son uh, will never grow old in our hearts, but will be refreshed anew and give him strength in everything that he stands in need of this hour as we open your word. All this in the precious name of Jesus, our Savior, alone we pray. Amen. Amen. So as we get ready to celebrate Christmas this coming Lord's Day, it's easy to forget about what we are really celebrating at times. Often we get wrapped up in the family commitments, the shopping, the planning, and we lose sight of what really matters. Brothers and sisters, this morning we are going to be looking at what it means for God to take on flesh. That is to say, the incarnation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Pastor Bob spoke with uh, you guys all last Sunday regarding Christ's eternal begottenness, that there was never a time when Christ did not exist. But today we're going to see how how God the Son, the, the second person of the Trinity, took on flesh and what that means for you and I here this morning by looking at the account of Jesus' birth here in Matthew chapter 1. You see that Mary is betrothed to Joseph, but she is carrying a child That is not his. The amazing thing is that this child is the incarnate son of God Almighty. This morning we are going to see that because Jesus Christ was born of a woman, 
He can save his people from their sins. To do this, we're going to be looking at three things. First, we're going to be looking at the problem of a pregnancy. Second, we're going to be looking at the promise of an angel. And third, we're going to be looking at a prophecy fulfilled. So again, that's first the problem of a pregnancy, the promise of an angel, and third, a prophecy fulfilled. So as we say that, let's get started by taking a look at our first point this morning, the problem of a pregnancy. We read in verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So here we have this young woman, Mary, who is betrothed to Joseph, meaning that her, her family had formally, ple- the father of Mary had formally pledged his daughter to Joseph before witnesses on both sides. Her dowry, that is to say her kind of share of the inheritance or a gift from a father that went to his daughter was agreed upon and, and the wedding plans were in the works. So much so that betrothal had the legal force of marriage and could only be broken by divorce, as we see in our text today. There's just one problem, a rather large problem. Mary is carrying a child that is not Joseph's. Brothers and sisters, I submit to you that virgins don't get pregnant very often. Needless to say, impregnation by the Holy Spirit is probably not the best excuse a woman in Mary's situation could have given to her betrothed. A fact that's not lost on Joseph. If we look to the Old Testament case law, in fact, we can see in Deuteronomy chapter 22, where it says, if, if there is a betrothed virgin, virgin and a man meets her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of the city, and you shall stone them to death with stones. The young woman, because she did not cry for help, though she was in the city, And the man, because he violated his neighbor's wife, so you shall purge the evil from your midst. So the fact that Mary is pregnant as a woman betrothed to Joseph is is no small thing here in this passage this morning. This was an offense that had the death penalty tied to it. But we also see something of Joseph's character as we continue reading in verse 19 where we see and her husband Joseph being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame resolved to divorce, to divorce her quietly we see here two things about the man Joseph first we see that he was a just man that is to say he he could not idly sit by and, and tolerate this perceived adultery the offense had to be acknowledged and it had to be dealt with accordingly but we also see that Joseph was a calm and moderate man that prevented him from going to the harshest implementation of the law. As our passage tells us here, he was unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. He has made up his mind to leave her privately. As Calvin says, he, that is Joseph, was not so soft and effeminate a disposition as to screen and promote uncleanness under the pretense of merciful dealing, he only made some abatement from stern justice so as not to expose his wife to evil rapport. Brothers and sisters, Joseph isn't a weak man. He's a gracious one. 
Even though this perceived wrong has been committed against him, he stands for what is right, while at the same time seeking the good of his offender. Think about what the situation must have been like for this young couple. What thoughts must have been racing through their minds. Think of the cultural ridicule and the scorn that Mary must have experienced. Think of what the tension must have been like between Joseph and Mary at this time. Scripture tells us of when Mary was made known of this Holy Spirit conception. If you would, keep a finger here, but but let's turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren for nothing will be impossible with God. Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So Mary says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. But as we have seen in our passage this morning, that's a really hard sell for Joseph. This whole situation had to be devastating. After all, this has never happened before in history, and it will never happen again. And this brings us to our second point this morning, the promise of an angel. Now, thankfully, this isn't where the story ends. As we continue in verse 20, we read, As he, that is Joseph, considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So God graciously sends a messenger to Joseph And this divine messenger says to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now we have to remember that up until this time, the truth has only been revealed to Mary as we have just read, but, but now God is letting Joseph know of his plans as well. God tells Joseph a great deal through this messenger. If we look, we see that he tells Joseph that his betrothed has not actually been unfaithful to him. He tells him that, that the child in her womb has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. 
He tells him that it is going to be a boy. And he tells him that his name is going to be Jesus. And he tells him that his name is going to be Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Brothers and sisters, that's a lot to take in in these two sentences, isn't it? This angel tells Joseph that this child is going to be the Savior. Now this Holy Spirit conception as seen here and in the Luke passage that we just read sets this child apart from any other child that has ever been, is being, or ever will be born. It's this Holy Spirit conception that allows Jesus Christ to be born without sin. The Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 8, section 2, puts it this way. The Son of God, the second person in the Trinity, being very and eternal God, of one substance and equal with the Father, did, when the fullness of time was come, take upon him man's nature with all the essential properties and common infirmities thereof, yet without sin. Being conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost in the womb of the Virgin Mary of her substance so that two whole perfect and distinct natures, the Godhead and the manhood, were inseparably joined together in one person without conversion, composition, or confusion, which person is very God and very man, yet one Christ, the only mediator between God and man, as Pastor Bob talked about last Sunday night. Because Jesus Christ was conceived in this way, he was able to take on a human nature without being imputed with original sin. As the great Reformed theologian Herman Bovink says, the supernatural conception is not a matter of indifference and without value. It is most intimately tied to the deity of Christ, to his eternal preexistence, his absolute sinlessness, and is therefore of great importance for the faith of the church. This Holy Spirit conception of Jesus enables the eternally begotten Son of God to stand in our place as as one of us, as our covenant mediator with Almighty God. It allows Him to be our second and last Adam, fulfilling that covenant of works as our covenant head, where Adam did not all the way back in Genesis 3, when he ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Brothers and sisters, we have a problem, and that problem is sin. It separates us from God, and it's deserving of death. All of us are guilty. But as we can see in Romans 5, again, keep a finger here, but let's turn to Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. 
For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following the one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is how this child will save his people from their sins, as we see here in verse 21 of our passage this morning. The incarnation, that is to say, the birth of Jesus lays the groundwork for him as our promised Savior in his earthly ministry. Without taking on our human flesh, Jesus could not live a perfect life according to the law in our place. Without taking on our human flesh, Christ could not stand in our place at Calvary, paying our debt as a propitiation or or, or the payment for our sin. And without taking on our human flesh, Jesus Christ could not conquer the grave in his resurrection from the dead. The glory of the incarnation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is why we are celebrating this Advent season. We, we would have nothing to celebrate. We would have no reason for hope and we would be left trying to earn a salvation that is forever outside of our grasp if it were not for the incarnation of Jesus Christ. We would simply be left in our estate of sin and misery as the Westminster Shorter Catechism says. Right, students? And this brings us to our final point this morning. A prophecy fulfilled. So just to remind ourselves of where we have been, we have this issue of a pregnancy out of wedlock. We have its supernatural explanation. We have its divine attestation. And we have our promised Savior. Now we will see that, that this is all in the fulfillment of God's plan of redemption for his covenant people. So picking up in verses 22 and 23 of our passage, we read, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Well, this harkens back to Isaiah's prophecy to King Ahaz, the, the son of David, heir of the Davidic throne. And you see, Ahaz had put his trust in the king of Assyria rather than the living God, even going so far as to pay him with gold from the temple in order to to convince him to attack Syria. But here the prophet Isaiah tells Ahaz to put his faith in the Lord. And and the prophet says in Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, and behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and, and shall call his name Emmanuel. 
Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ is this prophesied son, the Messiah, the one whom God's people are to put their faith in. And we see this in his two names that are given in our passage this morning. We have Jesus and Emmanuel. As J.C. Ryle, that famous theologian, said, one describes his office and the other his nature, but both are deeply interesting. Jesus, or, or Joshua, in the Old Testament means God is salvation, God saves. And we see in our passage that, that he will save his people from their sins. This, this is Christ's special office. And we also see that his name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Pointing out that God is indeed now here with us in the flesh. And that we must not take this for granted. Ryle continues, let us take care that we have clear views of our Lord Jesus Christ's nature and person. It is a point of the deepest importance. We should settle it firmly in our minds that our Savior is perfect man as well as perfect God. And perfect God as well as perfect man. If we once lose sight of this great foundational truth, we may run into fearful heresies. The name Emmanuel takes in the whole mystery. Jesus is God with us. He had a nature like our own in all things, sin only accepted. But though Jesus was with us in human flesh and blood, he was at the same time very God. Brothers and sisters, this is the miracle of the incarnation. Our Savior, the, the eternally begotten Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, is supernaturally born of a woman to live the life that we could not live, to die the death that we deserve, to conquer the grave, to ascend up into heaven, to come back one day to judge the living and the dead, and to usher his people into glory for eternity. And in verses 24 and 25, we see that, that this angelic revelation is enough for Joseph. We read in verse 24, when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. God spoke to Joseph and he believed and he waited to know his life, that the true father of, of Christ would be known. And he called his name Jesus, because he is the salvation of God. The one who took on flesh, and the one who is with us. So what are we to be celebrating this Christmas season, Little Farms? We are to be celebrating the incarnation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We, we are to celebrate what our passage this morning teaches us, about this child in Mary's womb who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. This event that the, that the Apostle Paul speaks of in Galatians 4 when he says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Well, brothers and sisters, without the body and blood of Jesus Christ, we have no hope before our holy God. It is only by his sacrifice that those who believe in him alone for salvation have the right to be called the children of God. And it is only by the incarnation that Jesus Christ could make that sacrifice. 
So the question stands for us this Christmas, do you believe in this Jesus Christ, this eternally begotten Son of God who was born of a woman in order that he might die as a man, redeeming his people in the process? Well, if you're visiting with us for the first time this morning, we're so happy that you're here with us. But if you're wondering what all this Christianity stuff is about, or, or maybe you've been sitting here in the pews with us for, for a few years now just going through the motion, but this question applies to you too. Do you believe in salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in this Christ alone? Only in this Jesus will you find salvation because only this Jesus is God incarnate, come to save his people from their sins. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out either to myself or any of the brothers and sisters here. We'd love to help you in any way that we can. But but don't let another day go by without faith in this Jesus. And pray that this same Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity that came upon the Virgin Mary, would do a mighty work in your heart this morning, that you too might believe in Jesus Christ. For faith is a gift from God, and it's not of ourselves. Now in just a couple moments here, Pastor Bob is, is going to be administering the Lord's Supper. Let us take special note of the bread and the cup as they are being passed out this morning. Bread is the body of Christ given for you, and the cup is the new covenant in his blood. Christ is spiritually present in this sacrament, and and, and it nourishes our faith. The sacrament signifies the broken body and shed blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, on the cross as as he was a, a payment to our just God in order that we might receive eternal life as his adopted sons and daughters. A sacrifice that could never take place if Christ was not born of a woman. If he was not Emmanuel, God with us. May we always remember the reason we celebrate this Christmas. And the reason for the joy that we have in him. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you that he is God with us and that he is our savior, that he was born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. We also praise you for your word and that we can see that Jesus is the fulfillment of that word. Thank you for this glorious work of redemption that that you have given us in the gospel. Father, please forgive us for making this time of year about what we can give and what we can get rather than resting in the reality of what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. Forgive us for joining in with the things of this world. Help us to always put first things first. Help us to always be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ to our loved ones, our friends, and our acquaintances in these coming weeks. We ask that you would make those conversations fruitful by your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the gift of the incarnation of your only begotten Son. Help us always to live for him. We ask this all in Jesus' precious and holy name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen. With that, I'd like you guys to turn to number 299 in your Trinity Psalter hymnals, and rise to sing the joy of our Savior's birth. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Number 299.